Sometimes you'll see him standing on a street corner that says, we'll cover food and drink for food and drink. How you doing, Ian? It's all part of my ministry, Tommy. It you is. Know, I want to. I want to reach the people where they are. You Sometimes know what? You should. You should. You should get one of those. Um, one of those computer. Uh, what do you call it? Internet uh, reverend chips. Because I could see you performing uh, marriages. Uh, well, you may have seen me do that. Uh, that that is a service I have provided. Oh, is it? In the past. Well, there yeah, you yeah. go. You see that? <laughs> um, tell me where you've been eating and drinking. What you've been doing? Yes, I've married many of my friends, it turns out. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, so to the topic, though, um, yeah, it's been a, been a pretty busy week. A uh, number of really interesting, uh, a real, real uh, you know, forthcoming restaurants, some news about, about new, new restaurants coming down the pike that attracted a lot of interest, and news about a very old restaurant, Copeland's, uh, which this year makes 40. Mm-hmm. 40 years. It was 1983 when Al Copeland Sr., the late great Al Copeland Sr., Popeye's founder, opened the first Copelands of New Orleans and uh, took a trip up to Covington to see how the next generation is uh, is is bringing the brand forward. They've, they've got this multi-million dollar campaign underway to redo all of the Copelands restaurants, and it started with the one in Covington. And uh, that's complete, and they unveiled it this week, and uh, it looks quite different from the old Copelands. Uh, but the food on the menu is is very much the same, starting with that chicken. I was relieved to see. Um, no matter what else you do at Copeland's restaurant, that that is a, a direct line into the Al Copeland way with fried chicken, which is a little bit different from Popeyes, but still, you know, hits all those notes, and it's just just. It's just got that spice and that herb blend, and mm, it's good with those smoky red beans on the side and a biscuit. Mercy. Fried chicken for breakfast? Anyone? Anyone? Sure. Why would you, um, how would you rather, not why, how would you describe Copeland's food? Is it, is it a real restaurant? Is it fast food? Is it somewhere in between? And I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. Is it? Markedly different than a um, than an Applebee's or a, um, give me another one, yeah. uh, Chili's, yeah, whatever. It, I know where you're going with that. It, I, I think it was a. It, it's in some ways it feels like a throwback uh, because they do have a, a number of dishes that have been there since 1983, right. 40 years, uh, and that's a pretty long time for for flavors to to, to stay intact uh, on a menu, um, but it is. I think its popularity lies in the fact that it is Louisiana food uh, done just a little bit nicer than your mom and pop uh, neighborhood restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, but drawn on some of those same flavors that are familiar from all that and making it, you know, back in the day, the idea was let's bring this into more of a fine dining realm with well, a definition of that in 1983 and in 2023 is quite different. So today it feels like, a casual, nice, casual, uh, family-friendly kind of anytime place. And uh, is it up against those other big brands that you mentioned? Yes, it is. But it is like the it's the it's the more local version of that. I think is is kind of the niche that they have today. You know, these are big restaurants. There's something for everyone. The menus go on, uh, but people have been going to these places for so long that they have like zeroed in on on their favorite dishes and the restaurant knows that and like it's it's very much an effort to uh to keep people coming who have been coming forever and try to win over 
the next generation, like the people who went there on their prom night, you know, right. back in the 80s or 90s and are now are, are towing their own kids along. So anytime I get a chance to talk with the Copeland family, I learned stuff. I thought it was pretty fascinating. The uh, Al Copeland Jr., who, who runs the family company now, uh, you know, his daughters are coming up in the company. His, his daughter, Allison, runs the restaurant division. Kind of interesting family dynamic running through it all. Um, and uh, one thing that Al Jr. told me, I asked him about, well, what was your father's vision for Copeland's restaurant in, in 1983? And he said, uh, well, first of all, he, you know, he wanted to bring uh, Louisiana, you know, down-home Louisiana food into more of a fine dining atmosphere. And the other thing that struck with me is you said, my dad liked his restaurants dark, loud, and cold, <laughs> meaning keep the lights dim, kind of romantic, keep the AC cranked, and, and keep the energy up, have the music pumping and that kind of thing. And uh, the next generation is saying, okay, I think we're going to go, instead of dark, loud, and cold, we're going to go a little more bright, modern, warm, welcoming. So quite, quite a stark difference. If you go to NOLA.com, you can see some kind of before and now photos uh, that, that tell the tale. But the thing is, you'll be seeing this at all the Copeland's restaurants as they start uh, doing more of the, the locations in the, in the months to come. There is um, a, a place I frequent, a country club I belong to, that I they have black toilets and black bathroom fixtures. And inevitably, every time I see that, I think of Copeland's because for whatever reason, that was kind of the, the thing in the 80s, right? The black fixtures and that kind of thing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I mean, listen, I'm sure that there are listeners out there right now who every time I say Al Copeland, part of their brain is going back to whatever they were doing in the 1980s, good, bad, or illicit. Mm -hmm. And um, (laughs) that is just, you know, the the spirit of the day, the power boats and the big monster trucks. And the I mean, this is Al Copeland was a man who I forgot about the power boats. Oh, yeah. He got up on the on the top turnbuckle of life and just just did a a grand slam onto the mat of it you know i mean he, he just he just took to took the life like a pro wrestler but anyway on the other end of the spectrum uh another restaurant that oh, wait, uh, let, me, let a... me get back to copeland's real quick and I, I hope i'm not speaking out of school here but so if i go to copeland's and i order gumbo am i getting gumbo that's warmed in a bag that comes from uh copeland's central or whatever or are they actually cooking the gumbo there that day Oh, they, they 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 do they do their own cooking in the restaurants for okay. sure. Um, but they what they get is this, a lot of the seasonings and kind of the base stuff comes from their big uh, food uh, commissary kitchen called Diversified Foods, and this is an enormous company. It's in Mandeville. It's fascinating, and uh, even though the Copeland family no longer has Popeyes, Popeyes is a Florida-based company, even though they trade awfully hard on their Louisiana heritage for not having a headquarters here or even like a corporate outpost. I would like them to do that. Uh, Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen is not based in Louisiana at all, but they market on us very, very strongly. Uh, anyway, but they do, Popeye's does still get the basis of all of its flavors from this Louisiana company, the Copeland family's diversified foods in Madisonville, which to this day makes all the seasoning blends for the fried chicken, the red beans, the biscuits, all the stuff that people eat around the world at Popeye's locations still runs through that facility run by that family and, and look really I'm not, uh, I, I didn't mean to make that seem like a pejorative thing because it's I, I don't know I, I know sometimes that some restaurants do do that where they get the food in a, in a in a bag already prepared for consistency then they throw it in a pot of boiling water and take it out of the bag right that's the way it works sometimes uh, yeah that's no, no, a lot you're absolutely right a lot of the bigger restaurants 
Um, it, this is a, a, a very common tactic of chain restaurants, uh, you know, and some smaller ones, I'm sure. And uh, sometimes they're sometimes it's hard to tell, frankly. Um, it is. That's, that's right. And you want to be consistent with the product that you're offering. Right. That's right. That's right. right so where else did you? Uh, but that's. Oh, sure. So the other end of the spectrum, when we're talking about this giant restaurant, this big restaurant company, uh, a small little literal hole in the wall in Metairie called Maui Tortillas. I love this place, Tommy. Uh, I've been following the story for a few years now, and I say it's called Maui Tortillas. It sounds like the Hawaiian island, but it's it's spelled M-A-W-I. It comes from this, um, I believe, Mayan term for abundance. And this started out as not a restaurant at all, but a tortilla bakery essentially and you walked in and it was it's off of uh, west esplanade and it's this sort of b-grade strip mall next to a subway sandwich shop and an insurance office and it's there the whole place was probably the size of of one of the larger you know living rooms or smaller living rooms in the suburban uh streets around it and it was fully occupied by this machine that was cranking out fresh tortillas it was this chugging clanking gas-powered tortilla maker you know run by this family and make the masa for the dough for the tortillas and run them through and come out with these piles of fresh corn tortillas and sell some of them at the shop and sell most of them wholesale to restaurants uh and then they were just getting going when uh covid hit and restaurants closed and were no longer buying tortillas uh, or anything and their business dried up overnight and then even when the restaurants started to come back, they were trying to cut back a lot. And, like, maybe they could cut the fresh tortillas from the local producer and just get the bag from the delivery place. Uh, something that artisan bread bakers saw, too, with the restaurants. A lot of that stuff was, was, was tough in the very beginning. So what Maui Tortilla did was they decided, let's start cooking. And so they started making taking their tortillas and turning them into tacos and enchiladas and lunch plates. And it was just very much plate lunches kind of over-the-counter and it really drew a following. A lot of people are interested in uh, birria tacos. Mm-hmm. So these, those tacos that are they're 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 done up on the grill, so they're crispy, crusted. They're, they've got gooey cheese. They've got this, this this beef that kind of this falling apart brisket beef, and then this crucially the side cup of of broth, sauce, gravy, whatever you want to call it that you dunk it in. Um, really fun, and they drew a following. Well, anyway, the reason I went back, Tommy, is Maui Tortillas has expanded. They took over the insurance office next door, added a full dining room, expanded the menu. And what they're doing is like really good home-style Central American food from Honduras, El Salvador, a little bit of Mexican, too, in there. Uh, and one of the things I love about this story is it's a family tale. Uh, it was started by the dad. Uh, he recruited his sons into the business. And one of his sons, Will Avalar. Uh, made his name as a fine dining chef. He was a chef for Emma Lagasse's restaurants, worked his way up the ranks, and was the, the head chef, the chef de cuisine at Merrill, very buzzy, high-profile Emma Lagasse restaurant downtown. And, you know, was all over the TV shows and was a great spokesperson for the restaurant. This big, strapping, handsome young man kind of on the rise in New Orleans cuisine. And he decided to say goodbye to all that and join his father in this business and help his cool. father complete yeah his dream his dream of creating this like neighborhood business that would serve the growing latin american community in new orleans and so he's applied his culinary chops there and you can taste it on the menu this is um down home traditional central american cooking but there's a chef's eye guiding a lot of it 
and it's just been fantastic food, and I'm just really, really happy to see them expanding and growing. And the name and of it again, Ian, have, and where is it? It's uh, it's Maui Tortillas, and that's M-A-W-I, even though it sounds like the Hawaiian island Maui. Uh, and it's on West Esplanade in Metairie, just off Transcontinental. Okay. Good cluster of restaurants around there. Easy to miss. In fact, you have to be looking for it, I would say. But once you go, I think you'll you'll want to circle back on it. Um, that, that great breakfast plates, like a yeah. real gem of a place to try. A oh, it is. Gem. Yeah, it is. I yeah, like there, and now, now they have the dining room to to welcome more people in. So definitely check it out. All right, let's uh, take a break. Here we come back. Five zero four two six zero one eight seven. If you have any questions for Ian McNulty, I got a question coming in about. Lamb Shank, you spoke about it last week. We'll get the name of the restaurant for that. And if you have any other questions, 504-260-1870. Somebody texted in, did you know that Copeland is buried in Metairie Cemetery next to Adrian Como, the furniture guy who was his cousin who was Copeland's financial backing for Popeyes? Love did it. you know that? Ian? <laughs> no, I did not know well, that. Well, there you the go. Three you... extends to the grave. Maybe it? make a visit, and maybe they're working on a deal today. Who knows? We'll take a break. We come Offered back. Up. Yep, we'll take a break and talk to you immediately when we return on WWL. It is currently nine twenty-six. Tommy Tucker, WWL, wrapping up the week as we do. Um, with Ian McNulty, who covers food and dining for NOLA.com, Times Picayune. Again, if you you know if you got a restaurant, just call him; he'll cover it. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. You. Uh, covers food and dining culture for Times Picayune, NOLA.com. Uh, somebody texted in Ian last week. You were talking about a lamb shank. Um, yes, I I remember it as though it were a meal ago. Yes, this is a dish called. Kidra, which I'm probably mispronouncing, at a Middle Eastern restaurant, Kebab House in Metairie on Vets, uh, snug between a Jimmy John's franchise and a mattress store. Mm-hmm. Can't miss it. Uh, but, and you shouldn't miss it. This place is delicious. Yeah. And the lamb shank, I really, I, I doesn't take much from my memory to go right back to that meal. Um, we're talking about falling off the bone lamb, huge portion of it, shank. But over this rice that was a blend of, of jasmine rice and basmati rice, both so aromatic, cooked with all of these whole cloves of garlic that were smooth as butter and chickpeas, and then this yogurt sauce over the top. I mean, I'd never had a, a meal like this. This is Palestinian-style home cooking come through this restaurant right next to the more familiar falafel plates and shawarma wraps and that kind of thing. So uh, that's not there every day, but uh, it's one of the one of the specials, and they always have specials like that running through there. You may want to call ahead, I guess, see if they have it on the menu. If you're looking for that precise dish, yes. Uh, but you can also just go on faith that there's going to be something home-style like that, um, that I mean, every time I every time I order off the blackboard, there it knocks my socks off. All righty, um, Tommy Kujaski and what he knows about, and they say Moscow's restaurant. They're talking about <laughs> Moscas or Moscas, depending on whether you want to pronounce it like yeah. they do or like the popular pronunciation is. Go ahead, though, Ian, please. That's right. Well, Moscow's restaurant. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see that one. Uh, yeah, unless yeah. it's something new in Avondale at the Russian <laughs> restaurant. I don't know about. It could be. It could be a sleeper cell. You never know. You know, The mic is under the caviar. That's stand. what the balloon oh, no. is for. Somebody texted me earlier about the Russian balloon dropping biological weapons. It's like, well, first of all, the balloon's from China. But anyway, go ahead, please. Sure. Okay. So Moscas, as most people say it, Moscas, as the Mosca family says it, out in Avondale. I mean, what else can you say? It, it is the, the uh, epitome of 
family style Italian comfort food. You know, when you go there, you feel like you feel like part of the family, even if you're just walking through the door for the first time. Uh, it's it, I see people go, you know, just uh, a, a couple or you know, husband and wife or two friends. Uh, but the, the ideal way to go, I think, is with a larger group. You know, the more people you add to the table, the more the experience. I mean, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, whatever. And all the food is family style. So you order these big platters and you look at the menu and it's like, this is $30. This is $40. Well, it feeds many people. You pass these platters around the table and it's the chicken a la grande with all the garlic in the world and half of the rosemary and a whole lot of olive oil too. And it's uh, chicken cacciatore, very similar dish, but cooked down with this just lip smacking mouth sticking tomato and it's oysters, Mosca, Mosca. <laughs> we have one of those uh, great oyster bakes that we have around Louisiana. Uh, oysters just embedded in this breading with more garlic. And you know, Tommy, I've got a chance uh, not too long ago to go into the kitchen and watch the family and the the, the family like staff uh, cook. And the way these dishes come together really does feel home style too. You know, they put the whole chicken in this cast iron skillet and cook it to order and. It, it's a small menu. Uh, you know, you go with a, with a group, you can basically order everything, and you should. You want to. You know, it's a crab salad. Um, you're going to end the meal with the, the pineapple fluff, just such a simple, basic comfort food kind of ending, and a pile of cash because this restaurant, Moscas, Moscas, is still cash only. So bring a wad. Oysters, Mosca, do I remember that or not? Or yeah, Mosca? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's the that's the. That's the roast, like the oyster roast. So it arrives. It looks like nothing. You know, there's so much, there's so much great Louisiana food does. It arrives. It just looks like this platter of breading, you know, but it, it you scoop in there and underneath that crust are all these fat, plump oysters stuck together with the sauce and the seasoning and the garlic, and it's delicious. All righty. Uh, Sunday brunch locations. Give me a couple of represent, uh, recommendations somebody texted in. First, top of mind, a Chafalaya restaurant on Louisiana Avenue, uptown, under all those oaks. Beautiful place, and it's a fun brunch. It's great food. Uh, Chef Chris Lynch is running running the kitchen there, and it's a it's a fun, upbeat environment. They have music, and it's not necessarily it's not your strolling, uh, you know, trad jazz band. It's usually a, a band that you might see on Frenchman Street. So it's kind of got this fun, upbeat vibe to it. Um, Jack Rose up the street on St. Charles Avenue. That's another one that's been real good lately. Again, again, festive, big, uh, colorful, lots of people drinking champagne. Uh, you're getting dessert, maybe a couple of them with your brunch. Uh, people are dressed up. It's fun. Like I said, it, it's that that's making brunch into an occasion, into an outing. But let me give you one on the opposite end of the spectrum. You want low key. Want something kind of down home? Riccobono's Pepper Mill in Metairie. The place has been in there forever. Never lets me down. It's great. Uh, really good breakfast, brunch dishes, and uh, rock solid, reliable, and kind of the, the mellow opposite end of the spectrum from the kind of let's go to brunch and party kind of places I mentioned earlier in the city. All righty. Somebody texted in and said they're going to La Boca tonight with company uh, recommendations. Invite me, please. I want to come. <laughs> Anytime you say La Boca, I instantly get hungry. No, just kidding. Um, it's fantastic. This is the Argentine-style steakhouse. It's in the warehouse district. 
uh, Chef Adolfo Garcia's creation years ago with his partners, and it just keeps on it keeps on being consistent and impressive. Um, you don't 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 think you're going for your typical American steakhouse uh, cuts. You know, this is not your filet mignon. Uh, you know, fork tender kind of stuff. This is the Argentinian way with steaks. There's different cuts. They're going to be cooked a little differently. There's always specials. Uh, it's more about that that texture, a good chew. If you're someone who likes a a ribeye or uh, a T-bone over a, over a tender fillet, this is your kind of place for sure. Uh, and if you're going with a group, uh, get the feed me. Get the get the set menu. It brings out basically a gr- this greatest hits um, <laughs> progression of dishes. And this is not just soup, steak, dessert. Uh, this is, um, you know, you get sausage and empanadas and a salad and fries and a steak and desserts. And it's it's a wonderful way to eat there. It's, I think it's the best way to eat there if you're going, especially if you're going with a few people. And you can add on. And what you should add on to that, if it's not included, ask. But I, I, last time I went, I think we had it added on. Very, very much worth it. The provoletta. This is um, an appetizer I just love. It is basically a skillet of provolone with herbs and olive oil. And you put your spoon in there and you stretch that cheese up. And maybe you wrap it around some bread or you put some of the the first-class fries they have through there. Or you just put it on your plate and dab it with the chimichurri, that that blend of that green sort of pesto-like garlic pulsing sauce that's so great on the steaks. And uh, you just go to town. <laughs> it's, it's melted cheese. It's as simple as that, and it's delicious. And I get it every single time I go to La Boca. You can trust the wine list. Lots of Malbecs. Uh, lots of wine. Ask for. Don't be afraid. You, you don't recognize these wines. There's not a not as familiar maybe as your California or your your French reds. Just trust the uh, trust the selection. They can put out some good stuff. And at the end, have an Amaro. Uh, they have a great selection of Amaros, which are the or Mari, which are the um, Italian uh, digestifs uh, that really go good at the end of a meal, and you'll need it because this is a big feed, and I'm already jealous. Now this is not the me. chain Argentine steakhouse, right? No, no. Often when people hear that, they they're thinking of the Brazilian steakhouses like Fogo de Chao that we have downtown. Or the ones that you see in every single in-flight magazine <laughs> fly and flip through the magazine. They, they advertise like crazy in those things. Yeah, those are the chains. They're real big in Texas. They're real big in Brazil, uh, but very different style. Those are the ones where, you know, they're coming around with the skewers of meats that are sliced onto your plate. No, no. La Boca is Argentinian, and it is a upscale Traditional steakhouse, but done in the Argentine tradition. Different country, Brazil, just like Russia and China with the balloon. Let's go back (laughs) to uh, the text line here. Somebody's looking for the best roast beef po' boy in the city. Okay, well, good luck with that. Well, let's do this. Let's look at the top five, maybe good roast beef sandwiches in the city. If they have a tourist coming in and they want to show them what a sloppy New Orleans roast beef is. Okay, I'm going to give you some suggestions. I'm not committing on air right now. This is my top five, or that this is my favorite, or this is the best. I'm just going to give you some off the top of my head that will fit that bill very, very well. It's an exhibition, uh, not a competition. Okay, fine. This is you know, this is just someone coming up on the street and saying, "Hey, you know, I'm standing there with my megaphone and my my umbrella hat on my head, yeah. uh, you know, preaching the word of, of of great New Orleans food on the corner." And they ask me about. And they come to and say, "Hey, brah." Hey, bra, I'm yeah. looking for a yeah. uh, roast beef sandwich. Bra, where yeah. should I go? So, 
So with that preamble, R and O's in Bucktown, fantastic version on that seeded French bread. That's lovely. Um, Radasta's Backstreet Place in Old Metairie, if you can pry yourself away from the Italian sausage, the, the, the roast beef there is great. I love Parkway. Uh, Parkway's a scene, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's on the map for sure. Lots of people go there. I love it. It's right on Bayou St. John, especially if you have tourists in town. Okay, that kind of changes it a little bit. I, I want you to take this person on a tour of different po'boy shops. And ah. I want you to, you know, go to Arno's, see that Creole Italian classic, go to Radasta's, see like the little backstreet place, get a po'boy, split it, even if you're with three or four people because you got a few places to eat. Like, you, you, you know, this is the way I roll. We talked about king cakes last time. You know, get a traditional, get an offbeat modern one. Go to a few different places and see what how the, the roast beef po'boy changes from place to place. Hit Parkway because, I mean, you're in Bayou St. John. That's gorgeous. And it's the, the, your visitors will be in this swirl of like, wow, this place is so cool. And it's a big bustling spot. I love their roast beef. I just smell it when I'm on my jogs in the morning by the bayou and instantly want one and keep jogging. Um, but then you're going to go to Domelisi's, you know, another mm. hole in the wall. And your guests will not believe this place is here. And you're walking in and it's so cool. And uh, you're getting you know, a beer out of a chalice from the bar. Mm. And you can watch them assemble the roast beef po'boy, and it feels like you've gone back in time to the 30s or 40s or something. And really, you have. And then you're gonna, uh, if you're <laughs> if you're taking your tourists like on a real tour, and maybe they want to get out into the countryside and go down to like uh, Lafitte and see the swamps and all that. Mm-hmm. On the way there, you're on the West Bank. Chateau Po'boys as a fantastic roast beef po'boy too. Where's that? Um, so that's my strat. Uh, it's on. What is it on Barataria? Yeah, it's on the way, on the way out into the, the back of beyond. And what's the name uh, of it? Chateau. Huh. I'm a West yeah. Banker. That surprises me. Check it out. The fact that you know something on the West Bank that I don't. That <laughs> well, you know, food realm, food realm. And go. my point is, lots of different styles, lots of different takes on it. And part of the fun to me is, like, bringing people to the places and seeing, like, just how the similarity, the, the DNA thread that runs through it, but also uh, how different the styles are from place to place and the feel of the places. You know, mm-hmm. this Backstreet Place in Metairie, a place by the lake in Bucktown, a place by the bayou right in the middle of mid-city, you know, a place out in the West Bank on the way to the swamps. It's cool, man. That's, that's the, part of the fascination of New Orleans food is the people – places you find around them looking for a restaurant in the covington mandeville area that will get ready for this give me a meal that will have an explosion of flavor when i bite into it okay flavor explosion in covington go to the greyhound this is a newish place uh from the folks who run del porto long-running italian restaurant which is fantastic uh, the Greyhound is their version of like a European gastropub kind of thing, and a real wide-ranging menu. They have a fantastic Reuben sandwich. They have a great donor kebab, which is you know the sliced meat wrapped up in a in a fluffy pita with a garlic sauce. They have nice pizzas, good appetizers, stuff coming out of the wood-burning oven. And in Mandeville, that was Covington. In Mandeville, flavor explosion. Try Hambone. Uh, this is a restaurant down in Old Mandeville, on your way to the lake. And there's a lot of you know traditional, more traditional restaurants around there. Rips, uh, Pat Gallagher's, um, the rest of a while. 
Uh, Hambone's a little different. It's a little more. Um, it's a little more of its own creation. Um, a lot of specials running through there. Chef-inspired dishes. Last time I was there, I had. Uh, there were these. They weren't boudin balls. They're more like <laughs> cubes of boudin fried up with mozzarella and some crab boil running through it. That was a flavor explosion right there for sure. And it's a nice family-friendly restaurant, a lot of outdoor seating, cute little cottage. Uh, Give that one a shot. Thank you, Ian McNulty. A pleasure as always. You are a gentleman and a scholar and a food and dining critic. Come find me on the corner of uh, Canal and Bourbon, just uh, hollering the gospel of good food through my megaphone with my umbrella hat on. I'll be out there. Or jogging along by you, St. John, so he doesn't have to be lifted out of his house with a forklift. Thank you, Ian McNulty. (laughs) Covers food and dining culture for the Times. Speaking of New Orleans Advocate, 941, 19.